Well, good morning. Welcome good to morning. Alamo City. And um, what a great song, the reckless mm. love of God, never, never ending. You know, we're, we're all in some ways um, loving victims of that expression of the love of the Lord, where he just wouldn't, he wouldn't stop. He kept sending people to us. He kept bringing memories our way. I'm loving you, and I, there's, a, there's a better life for you than what you're choosing for yourself. He, he rescues us by loving us, and um, amen, and we're thankful, thankful for that. It's just a blessing to have all of you here in the room, and those of you who are a part of our streaming family, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Coming out of last Sunday, <clears throat> Shirley mentioned to me, and this is, this is Shirley, the definite better half of this, this partnership, my favorite preacher, my favorite preacher, no kidding. I give her a lot of practice at home, she gets to, gets to work out those preaching skills at, at the house. But uh, we came out of the service last Sunday, and, and she mentioned that it just seemed as if there was more that needed to be said or could be said on the subject of forgiveness. Talked a lot about David, King David, and and um, where he met the Lord. And we are blessed to have Psalm 51, which is an expression of his meeting with the Lord at the place of, of forgiveness. And um, so this morning in the early service, um, we, we started the, the first of our, our two-part um, Bible conference this morning, I guess, and, and um, on the subject of forgiveness, and, and I kind of leaned into that aspect of uh, forgiveness when you need to get it, when you, you, you need to get forgiven. What, what's involved with that? Shirley's part in this service is going to be specifically forgiveness when you need to give it, when you need to give forgiveness, grant forgiveness. I'm going to turn it over to her in just just a moment, but but she asked that I would uh, that I would just kind of remind us of some of the there were four aspects in this matter of forgiveness that we we touched on, and she'll be alluding to some of these as she works through her her part this morning. The, the first and, and and these are these are steps that the Lord will take us through by His Spirit. We're praying, Lord, fill us with Your Spirit and. We know in some points I have hurt people, I've, I've, I've wronged people. Many times that would happen before we came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and we were just living our lives for ourselves and doing what everybody else did, and in the process hurt folks and wounded people. And so there's the aspect of needing to be forgiven, but also to give forgiveness. And, and these, these four parts are, are true of that subject of forgiveness. The first one is repentance, repentance. That means, the New Testament word means to know uh, after, to learn something after you've been through it. And as a result of what I've been through, that I didn't realize all of how wrong or what all was involved in that, I look back on that now and I realize there were some things that I don't ever want to do again. And if I had to do them again, I, I wouldn't have done it the first time. But I know, I see more clearly after. That's that word to repent, to know after. And as a result of what we now know, we make a change. We make new choices, different choices, better choices. That's repentance. 
The second part is to return, a return to the Lord, a return with our whole hearts to the Lord and what pleases Him. Repentance, return, and reconciliation, reconciliation with the ones that we've hurt as far as it is possible for us to do that. And then in the Lord's timing, knowing that it, that's His heart to reconcile the world unto Himself. That's why Jesus died on the cross. We are given, we are, have been committed the ministry of reconciliation um, so that it's not as if the Lord would just expect us, to, well, He's forgiven me and I'm saved now and I've got a new uh, outlook on life and so I just go on with ever, without ever looking back at the ones that may have been affected and hurt by my life before. That His desire is for there to be reconciliation and then the fourth aspect is restoration. The things that have been lost during our times of straying and, and turning away from the Lord, uh, the, the Lord has it within his heart to restore to us the things that the enemy would have stolen through his lies and through the choices that we made believing his lies. Repentance, return, reconciliation, restoration. Now let, let me lead us in prayer again, and then we'll just... Turn things over to the to the to the what what is it they what is it they call you Mother Superior or something <laughs> like that around the house the kids would say Mother Superior the Reverend Mother Sister Inferior like. actually Sister Inferior no that's not true Thank you Lord for this day and this opportunity and Lord we we you know this better than we could ever say we, we do not come before the family today before the Alamo City family as experts on this subject. We, we, are, we are so much uh, fellow pilgrims and ones who are, who are making this same journey. And Lord, we're trusting you to guide us into, into deeper levels of understanding what forgiveness and release, restoration is all about. And Lord, please speak to us. Pray you'll anoint Shirley with what she needs this morning to proclaim your word, and that you'll anoint our ears to be able to hear what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to go sit just not very far. <laughs> kind of like, you know, that tag team wrestling. You know, when, when I need to tag out, I will. And, and y'all can help. Raise your hand if you think I need to tag out, and I definitely will. Uh, one of the things in the first service, David was speaking so much to, uh, to parents and where choices could have been made to cut children out of their lives. And just the admonition of, yes, get it right with the Lord, but then go farther and get it right with those that have been hurt by our decisions as parents. And I just want to start by saying that as a child of an uh, alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic, and so I had Christmases where, uh, you know, I can remember my dad just being on the sofa asleep drunk from the night before, and it's Christmas morning and scared that he's going to wake up and be in an angry tirade or uh, being at a, a restaurant and being so nervous about what kind of scene was going to be made in that restaurant and like walking on eggshells as a child but the great legacy that my father gave me in so many ways I remember as a nine-year-old my dad calling us into the bedroom and him saying I have something I need to tell you kids 
and he said, I have a drinking problem, and I'm an alcoholic. And he began to go to AA and to work the steps. And I think sometimes as adults, we can think if we acknowledge where we've blown it to our children, we're going to lose respect in their sight. We're going to lose that position of authority in their lives. But that is one of the safest memories that I have. And like my life was being put in order. And even as a child, there was just such a sense of profound sense of this is a safe place. And a respect for my father. Because the elephant that had been in the room that we weren't allowed to talk about or whatever was acknowledged. And it was being done by him. And it seemed to set the world in order. And my father has been dead over 30 years. But I think that more than anything else was a great legacy that he gave me was the example that even as a parent or as an adult, admitting where you're wrong, it never causes you to lose um, respect in someone else's life. It's an example of this is the way home, and this is right, and this is safe. And so for each of us, as we're challenged by the Word of God this morning to look at our own lives and say, Holy, Holy Spirit, shine a light on those places that I want to keep dark because of shame I don't want to admit the ramifications of decisions and choices and lifestyles that I've lived that have affected those around me, that have left a disaster behind me, that today we would say, let's have the courage, Lord, shine the light there and help me to realize that when I acknowledge those things, not only is it bringing life and liberty to my life, but it is to those that I've affected as well. Well, last week when David was talking about King David and, and repentance and what that looks like, and, and he said to you all, that, that I had said to him, you know, uh, I would bring something back up that he had asked forgiveness for in the past. Um, it's absolutely the truth that I did that. And, you know, said, well, if it was wrong then, it's still wrong, wrong now. Um, I could almost feel the air being sucked out of the room. Like, you, know, <laughs> you all saw the thing that we didn't want to talk about, the fact that the pastor's wife had an unforgiving heart for many, many years. And as David said, um, I have the memory of an elephant. You know, I could bring back up all of the things. And the truth is, there were places that, where I haven't forgiven. I probably still have places. We know there are places I still haven't forgiven you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm letting go of it. You know, you don't hold on to an offense. It holds on to you. You know, you don't hold on to an offense. It holds on to you. And you're held captive by it until you're ready to release it. But being good Christian girls, we know that we're not supposed to not forgive. So a lot of times there's a lot of other things that we dance around this whole issue of really forgiving. And I want us to look at that this morning. We're going to try to put some fun back in dysfunctional. Because <laughs> we all are, come from dysfunctional, fa dysfunctional families. How would you have liked to have gone to Thanksgiving at King David's house? And you know... You talk about a, a mess to walk through. Oh, kind of getting out on thin ice here about fun back into functional. So just dysfunctional. You, dysfunctional. So if you watch this right here, just, <laughs> <laughs> you go for it. So question number one, who are you waiting for God to correct in your life? I want to make this personal. Who are you waiting for God to correct? Who owes you an apology today? 
Who makes you angry? Who are you afraid of? Those are the relationships that I want you to listen this morning and be challenged by these words. Here are some reasons that we don't forgive. The first one is because we're in the church house. This is one we're more likely to have than your average Joe out there. And that's righteous indignation. We don't forgive because we know the word of God and we see somebody and we think, they have broken the rules and they're right here and I know them. And being a believer, I need to stand for righteousness in this situation and I am being the standard. Have you been there? As a wife, you know, hey babe, the scripture says you're supposed to love me as Christ loves the church. And it's hunting season. And I don't believe that the Lord is going to the dearlies this weekend. Righteous indignation. If that's you and you feel like that you're needing to be the standard, I'm not going to go there this morning, but you write down 2 Samuel 13 and you follow the life of Absalom. Absalom was a man who obviously had in his heart a real zeal for justice and righteousness, but it was a zeal not according to knowledge, as the word of God would say, because none of us are able to be that standard. There's only one standard, and he died on the cross for each one of us. And the scripture says that the Lord, there's two things that he doesn't share. And one is his glory, and the other is his vindication. The scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, excuse me, Hebrews 10, verses 30 and 31. We're going to have it on the thing because I want you to see this clearly. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, the Lord says. Vengeance is mine, and I will repay And it says, the Lord will judge his people. But then look at verse 31. If you're having a hard time thinking, I don't want them to get off the hook because they've broken God's law, look at verse 31 in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, but it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. If you just need to put that on a little post-it on your mirror, and every time you want to pick that back up with that individual, just to remember, I have released them into the hands of the Lord. Because what happens when we take it into our own breast, into our own bosom, it will turn us. It, it never, as I said, does an offense. Do we hold an offense? It holds us. We don't have the capacity to carry that and to mete out the justice that needs to, to come forth. Only the Lord can do that. Another reason that we don't forgive is because of denial. And that's where the good Christian girl, I think, can come in. It can be a guy, too. But we just know that as Christians, we're supposed to forgive. And so the easiest way to to, uh, not have to go through the process of forgiving somebody is just kind of to deny it. And there's a lot of different ways that we can deny. But the first one is just to act like it's just not there. You know, it was no big deal. You know, that that happened when I was a child, and, you know, I'm grown up, and 
I'm fine now. I'm fine. I don't need to go back and, and look at that and the ramifications of that. But then Thanksgiving comes, and you're sitting across the table from him, the guy that the uncle, the brother that molested you, and you think, I can't stand to be in this room. And maybe you go home and you eat half of the pie that you took for dessert, and you're sitting there eating it, and you don't know why you're eating it. And the next thing you know, you're binge-watching Friends for three days. You don't know why you're doing that. And it all goes back to that place where you've denied it's a big deal. It's no big deal. The Lord wants to set us free from those places that have hurt us and wounded us. And he can only do that when we're willing to acknowledge the fact that they're there and that they are a big deal and they need to be looked at. Sometimes we can say, we can blame. We can uh, blame someone else for it. Oh, yeah, I know that, that, you know, he has a temper and sometimes he's really violent. But, you know, that's how his father was. That's exactly how his dad was. And so he's that way because his dad was. Or we can excuse it. We can offer excuses for why what happened happened. It can, when someone's really hurt us, it so takes away from us any sense of um, power that if we can kind of excuse why it happened, then it can kind of sort of make sense to us. And we don't have to forgive him. We can just excuse, well, it happened because they had a really rough day. Or we can generalize. We can say, well, we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And, and so instead of looking at the magnitude of what's happened, we just brush it away. Actually, denial is a part of the grief process. It's the first step. In, it can be the first step in us letting go of places where we've been hurt and wounded in the past. Or it can be a place that we just choose to live for the rest of our lives, just numbing it out and not dealing with the realities of where we've been hurt. Truly, when we allow that hurt and that place of denial to go to the next steps, which would be anger, anger's a part of dealing with grief, and grief is a part of forgiveness because you really cannot forgive until you've grieved. You've owned what's been damaged, what's been lost, what's been hurt. And so in order to truly forgive, I have to walk through the process of seeing how I've really been damaged. And so that process of grieving starts with denial, and then we step into the place of anger. How could that happen? How did that? And, and some of us want to short circuit there because we think, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this emotion of being so angry. But it's part of the process of God wanting to heal us. And out of anger, then finally comes acceptance. Yes, this happened to me. This happened to me, and these are the ramifications for what happened when my, my you know, dad was drinking and, and how I felt. And at that place of acceptance, then we're really ready to say, you know, Dad, your alcoholism made me as a, a, 
a child never feels safe or secure. It caused me to be afraid at times when I really shouldn't have had to have been afraid as a child. Uh, it, it caused our family, my mom not to be available for me because she was trying to take care of you in those situations. But in that place of acceptance, now I'm willing to be able to say, I release you of the debt of that. You know what? You could never pay me back for what was lost. But I understand that on the cross when Jesus was dying and he said the debt was paid, he was paying for those things you couldn't pay back. I don't have to keep waiting to get back what's been owed me because it was paid. And not only did he pay for what you did that was wrong on the cross, he's paid for what I've done wrong as a result of it. For the places where others, such as my husband, would hurt me, and maybe it would go all the way. The hurt would have had a chain that went all the way back to my childhood that had nothing really to do with him. But I held on to that. I held on to that unforgiveness and, and engaged in fights and anger and accusations at my spouse that had it start way back here. But on the cross, even that was paid for um, by the Lord. So we sometimes we don't want to forgive because of righteous indignation. We think, you know, I want to be Mr. Justice in this. Sometimes we don't because of denial. And sometimes we don't because of fear. We th we're afraid because we've been hurt by a person. If I forgive them, they're just going to do it again. I know them. If I forgive them, they're just going to do it again. Or if I forgive... They will never realize how bad they have hurt me. Are you still waiting for somebody to just wake up and realize what they, how they're, they're just walking out of your life has hurt you? My unforgiveness, though, does not have the power to change the attitude or behavior of someone else. My unforgiveness doesn't have the power to change them their behavior, or their attitudes. And you know the amazing thing? I'm old enough now, I'm old, uh, to realize I can look back over situations where there's been a breach of a relationship and somebody's been deeply hurt. And the other person, they've just gone on with their life. You know, they, there's not even a blip in the screen. They've just gone on with their life. But the one they've hurt is just stuck, just stuck there for the next 20 or 30 years, and they're being stuck, they just still see the whole world revolving around that wound. This person's gone on. It's not bothered them at all, but it's really wrecked the one that's held the unforgiveness. So it's so important for us, not the longer you hold on to a hurt or a wound, the more it becomes your identity. Because it's the thing you're focusing on. So my forgiveness does not have the power to change the attitudes or behavior of someone else. But my forgiveness does have the power to negatively affect my attitudes, my behavior, my health, and my spirit. And it doesn't just stay in that one little box where I want it to stay. 
the resentment at this one individual person, then it starts, it's, it spills out because that's what sin does and it starts affecting the other relationships around me. And forgiveness keeps me tied to the past and stuck. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook and saying, oh, it's okay, what you did, it's okay. No, forgiveness is placing that person in the hands of the Lord, the one person that can rightly deal with the situation. You're not just letting them off the hook. You're giving them, you're surrendering what's happened to the Lord. And you're surrendering that person to the Lord. Forgiveness is also not a one-time thing. And it doesn't usually start with our emotions. All of a sudden, I have this warm feeling that I just want to forgive David for going to the hunting lease over the holidays. It starts with an act of your will where you say, God, I'm going to line my heart up with what your word says. And I've lived long enough that I see what happens to women who hold on to a bitterness or a resentment that their spouse for something for years. First of all, it wrinkles up their faces. No cream can take care of it. Uh, it, it makes the holidays. There's two people living in one house, but they're just living in one house. That's what you call marriage. Instead of fun friendship with your best friend. And that's not like just, you know, you eat Wheaties and you become best friend fun. It's that you, you do the work. You do the grieving work of this is the wounds. The wounds from the, my family of origin, the things that make me predisposed to take up an offense at you because of what I didn't get as a child, or on his side, his part, that you do that work, and then you also do the work of, of forgiving one another. And, and that requires an honesty and a brokenness on both parts. It, it requires an honesty and a brokenness on both parts. But when you want, as David said in the first ser service, you get what you sow. If you want to see brokenness in another person, then you model brokenness. And you see what happens. It's, there's nothing fun about trying to have a fight with someone who's walking in humility. There's nothing fun about that at all. There's nothing to fight with. It's just like, you can push as much as you want to, but if they're in a repentant, broken place, you're just left to realizing, and I'm a jerk. You know, I'm, I'm the problem here. There's no fight there. So, forgiveness is um, not letting the offender off the hook. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to take care of justice. Uh, Forgiveness is also not letting the offense recur again and again. There's a scripture in Proverbs 19.19. 19, and it says that, if you put it up on the screen, then I'll see it and I can say what it says. Proverbs 19.19. 19. There it goes. Okay. A man of great anger will bear the penalty, 
For if you rescue him, you only have to do it again and again. Now, what that's saying is that the hothead is going to have to have the natural repercussions of being a hothead. I was trying to think of the word repercate. Say that word again. I need help. Come up here. Repercussions. The natural repercussions. Sometimes I'm the hothead. He's not always the hothead. Uh, you, you're doing good. I'm going to just sit right here and just say. Uh, oh, no. Now he has a microphone. Okay. It's saying a hothead. It's got to bear the repercussions of being a hothead. Oh, I guess that does kind of apply to you maybe a little bit. If you try to rescue him, you'll just have to do it again and again. Now, there was a time in our, in our marriage, um, this was not premeditated, but you brought it up, so we'll just follow this rabbit, when he would get really angry. And David's way of getting angry wasn't like my dad's. He went like, explodes and yells and cusses and stuff like that, because he doesn't cuss. He, oh, great Scott is as far as we go. If he says that, he is just... But anyway, his way of being angry is just to soul up and like the whole room, like the atmosphere turns green. It's just, he's just, no words. He's just, are, are you okay? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. You know, that kind of thing. So, but it would push every button in me because I just hated the thought of anger. So I'm over there trying to, you know, and then it's this big fight. It's just this big fight. So finally, when I realized, hey, he's in an angry place, I can't change him in this moment. Because if I try to, if you rescue him, you're doing it again and again. He's just going to have to work that out with him and the Lord. So I kept, I removed myself from that place. And then he was left, go ahead, you should fill this in because it was you. No? No? Anyway, it changed. It changed in our marriage. That, that issue completely changed because he said it was just no fun anymore because I wouldn't get in there in the pit with him to, to fight about it. Okay? If you, in your marriage or in some other relationship, are dealing with an angry person, you shouldn't have to always be forgiving them for doing the same thing to you over and over again. You should learn that sometimes when they're angry, the best thing to do is to remove yourself from that. Is that being unforgiving? No, that's being smart. That's saying, I don't want to have to keep forgiving them from the same thing over and over again. I'm just going to put a boundary here, we'll say, or and some space here in order for that not to happen again. True. So... Uh, forgiveness does not mean we have to... So, let me say this one more time because I don't think you got it quite yet. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Okay? In other don't keep putting yourself back in the same place where you're having to keep forgiving someone for doing the same thing to you. If you have a friend and they say they're going to go to lunch with you, and they break that appointment, 
and they've done that three times and it's hurt your feelings, hello, it's time to say, I can't really count on them for that. Now, I can give them grace for that and just know this friend is probably not my dependable go-to-lunch-with friend. I'm going to love them, but I'm not going to put myself in the position where I'm going to have to keep forgiving them for the same thing over and over again. Okay? Forgiveness does not mean we have to revert to being the victim is another way to say that. Okay? Forgiveness also is not the same thing as reconciling. That means that I can forgive someone, but I realize who they are and what they're capable of. And I don't put myself in the position to be hurt by them over and over again. Reconciliation is when two people can come together in brokenness and agree, be, be saying the same thing like, you know, we, we see this the same and we can walk together again. But forgiveness doesn't need that. Forgiveness can be me alone in my room, letting go of, releasing where someone's hurt me. Okay, it's a process. It's not an event. It, can, it starts with an act of the will. Like we said, usually it'll start there of just saying, I'm going to line my heart up with the word of God. My emotions aren't feeling this. I would like to see you, God, just zap them with lightning and be done with it. But I'm, my heart is making that choice. And then a second part of that can be as their name and face comes to you, that you begin to say, Father, I know you want me to pray a blessing on, for them and, and ask the Lord, how do I pray a blessing for this person? And begin to just pray a blessing over them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them today. Bless them with what you know they need. That's a good place to start. Instead of bless them with what I think they need, which is a lightning strike. So, to, so, so as we start to do that, then God has a door to work through. And he can start putting compassion in our hearts for that other person. Because you know what? The Father's heart is for reconciliation. It is for reconciliation. But if that can't happen because of where the other person is, it can still flow from our heart from his heart through us towards them, towards them. Whether they ever can receive it or not, it can come from us. And the amazing thing about that is it sets us free. Because what happens with an offense is first it blinds us, it blinds us to see how it's choking us and it's killing us and shutting us down. And then it binds us to it so that we can't move forward in our life. We're always looking in the rearview mirror at what happened the past. That's not where the Lord wants us. He wants us free and looking forward and moving forward. So as we finish up with this, again, forgiveness is not based on their actions, but our attitude. If they don't repent, we still can have the freedom to forgive them. Because it, again, with what we're doing in forgiveness, we're doing two things. We're releasing them of the debt and we're surrendering them to the Lord. We're surrendering it, them into the hands of the one with whom we all will give an account. 
but we're no longer having to carry it. We're never, no longer having to rehash it and think through it. As long as we're still rehashing it and re thinking through it, it means that it's not completely resolved in our hearts. S Psalm 32 says, "How blessed!" starting in verse 2, how blessed is the man I guess I could look at that. How blessed is, to, is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity? In other words, we're blessed when there's nothing that God sees in our account that's in iniquity. And iniquity, is, unforgiveness is a sin. It's a sin just like uh, lying or stealing or cheating or cussing. Holding on to those things is, is, is a sin. And in whose spirit is no deceit? You know, we talked about denial and pretending like it's not there and it's no big deal and it's not bothered us and we're fine. We just, we're going <laughs> to, this was one of David's famous statements about somebody that had hurt him. He was like, I'm just going to love him from a distance. And uh, so in whose spirit is no deceit? And then the next scripture after that, verse 3 says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Unforgiveness affects us physically. It affects us physically. When we carry unforgiveness, as we've seen when David Turner comes, and he'll pray for us. And sometimes very gently he'll say, is there someone you need to forgive? And immediately you know who it is. And so it's important that we deal with these things. Uh, verse 4 then it says, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained as with the fever heat of summer. And then verse 5, which says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I love this verse in the Amplified because it says, when I um, confessed my sin, and it says, continually unfolding the past until all is told. Part of this process of forgiveness, it is a process. It's not an event. We need to get in the prayer closet with the Lord God Almighty. We need to say to the Holy Spirit, will you shine your light on my relationship with this person and help me? You take a pad and a pencil and you say, help me write down the ways that I've been hurt by this person. And as you, as the Lord reminds you of something, you write it down. And then you ask the question, is that all there is here or is there more? And, and allow that continually unfolding the past until all is told. So with pen and paper, you write down. You know, it might start with, well, he never gets the trash out before the trash guy gets here. And he doesn't pick up his socks. And the next thing you know, and he forgets our anniversary about three times a decade. And then it might go back deeper and deeper. But you stay there until the Lord puts those things down for you. And then the next step of the process is to consider how those things make you feel. I haven't felt valued. I haven't felt cherished. 
I felt abandoned or neglected, or I felt dirty or I felt cheap, whatever it is, let yourself go there. Because forgiveness is releasing a debt. If you don't know what's owed you because you're, you want to deny the whole thing, you'll never get to the place of forgiveness. But if you do allow yourself to go there and allow the Holy Spirit to take you to the place of, how did that make me feel? Maybe even write, write it down um, and give yourself the time to grieve because the scripture says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And that's part of the forgiveness process is allowing yourself the time to grieve the places of hurt and loss. And then finally, out of that step of grieving, then to be able to go back to the Lord and say, these are the places where this person has hurt me. This is what it seems should have been owed me in this. And Father, I give this to you as an act of worship. I see it put upon the cross now. Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Seeing Jesus on the cross paying not only for your debts, but what was owed you from someone else. And allowing that exchange to be made. You know, the scripture says this of Jesus, what an example for us. Because surely if anybody should ever have been able to carry unforgiveness, it was him. Because he was, everywhere he was wronged, there was not like two sides to it. It was wronged upon him without him having done something to precipitate it. And yet it says of Jesus that, that he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He could have had righteous um, indignation. He could have been the one to say, I'm standing for justice. But even Jesus, when he rocked on this earth, he, he didn't take it into his own heart. He, it says, the scripture says, he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Beloved, my prayer for us this morning is that this week, as we look towards Thanksgiving, what an opportunity before we engage in the extended family or the immediate family that we're a part of, or even our spouse, that we just go to the prayer closet with the Lord and say, is there a place where I'm carrying unforgiveness? And Father, will you help me to let go of that, release that to you? Will you shine the light of your spirit so clearly upon it that I can get to the end of it and quit carrying it so that the relationship that I want to have with this other one, I long to have, I can truly engage in and enjoy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I'm asking that you put your finger on those places in our heart that we've carried too long. We've been holding on, to, we think we're holding on to this offense, but really it's been holding on to us.
Holy Spirit, we invite you to unfold the past until all is told. We invite you with your searing gaze to cause us to acknowledge those places where we've been carrying unforgiveness, those things we keep bringing up and throwing into people's faces, Lord, are holding against them. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do the surgery in our hearts and lives that needs to happen. Lord, we thank you that we can surrender to you those individuals knowing that justice is yours, vengeance is yours, Lord. It's yours to deal with them. One of the maybe most profound things that we've just heard is not only at the cross did Jesus pay for what we owed him, but Jesus paid for what was owed to us at the place of forgiveness and where we would seek forgiveness from someone else who had hurt us. Lord, I give that to you. I give that to you. I give that to you. It may not sound like it at first rush, but the message of forgiveness is the message of freedom. It is freedom. And the statement that a hurt, unforgiven, you don't hold on to, it holds on to you, it owns you, is so true. Do you want to be free? Or is there a greater preference to hold on to what you feel like you have a right to demand in the way of vengeance? It can be your choice. Do you want to be free or do you want to be bound by something that you cannot force another one to do? Living your life waiting for somebody to make something right to you. Lord, forgive them, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, will you take this where it needs to go with us? Um, we, we are so prone to buy into this instant culture, this shallow, instant culture that's around us. That We, we don't want to think. We don't want to allow your spirit time to, to plow deep within us to the, to the places of, of the hurts and then being honest about them. Lord, it was... It was a crime. It was criminal. It was, it was whatever it actually was, but we refuse to call it that. Lord, will you help us? Will you give us the courage before you to call it what 
It really was. And then to be able to say, Lord, Lord, help me to be able to give this to you. And Lord, I pray you'll give us the ability to mourn where, where we need to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If we never mourn, we forfeit the comfort. But Lord, you know us, and you know how sometimes we do feel that in order to survive, I, I can't let it go any deeper than, than just the surface of my life. When the truth is, it pierced all the way to the soul of who we are. And where there are those deep wounds, there, there is a justified mourning. There's a, there's a legitimate mourning for that. And freedom, 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 freedom as a result. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Lord, we're asking you for that, to take us into that, to take us by the hand and lead us down that, that path into freedom, even this week and over these next holiday weeks. And folks, I want to I say something to you. You're going to know, you're going to know when forgiveness is at an appropriate level, is at the place the Lord wants it to be in your heart when compassion for the one who hurt you rises up in your heart. He wants to take you to the place, bring you to the place that where you have so released that one unto the Lord, that compassion for that one, not that, that doesn't mean saying it wasn't bad, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't a big deal, but some way, somehow, for the very one who hurt you the most, the heart of Jesus is worth, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They, they may know some of it, but they don't know the depth of the hurt that they caused. Father, forgive them, for they know. When, when you begin to sense compassion for that one who broke your heart, then it's a wonderful indicator that Jesus really is owning that part of your heart again. Jesus is Lord in that part of your heart again. He's filling that part of your heart again. And there's nothing like that. That's freedom, the freedom that is in Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're opening our eyes to see. Please, Lord, by your Spirit, take this as far as you want it to go in our hearts in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Let's say his name together. Jesus. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together? You all will know anytime Shirley's announced to be a, a guest speaker, you're going to get out earlier. So everyone <laughs> will come.
everybody will come. And, um, you know, we, we have been together um, serving in this place together for 31 years, maybe 32. I'm not sure, not sure the deal. <clears throat> bottom, you know, bottom line with us, if it's show church, we don't want it. If it's show, show church, but if it's real, if it's honest, it may not all be pretty, it may not always be the easiest thing to listen to or hear, but if it's real, if it's honest, in some way or another, the Lord Jesus himself can be at home in that place. And so I bless you for, for your honesty. We bless you for your patience with us, your love for us. Those of you who have been part of this work for all of these years, you, you've known phases and stages that, we've, that we have gone through, but we've determined that we weren't going to quit talking. We decided a long time ago we want to go to heaven together from the nursing home rocking chair row. <laughs> Uh, that that it, it, you know, and to get there together, that means that I'm going to need to change some. She hadn't had to change a whole lot, but but that's been the goal, and and um, and I'm thankful for that. My best friend, my be- if there's if there's a human, and I, I've got some hunting buddies, and I've got some sports guys that I'd like to do things with, but it's just and. You know, I'm not blowing smokers through the truth. If I had to pick one human being that I'd want to spend the rest of my life with, you know, even if it's the opening morning of deer season. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I mean that. It's, it's, it's her. And I believe that's how, that's how it's supposed to be in a marriage, that it's your best friend. You're marrying your best friend. Um, if you're marrying somebody just to sleep with, then you need to keep looking for your best friend to be with. Because things have, the Lord has his ways of just drawing us closer together and enjoying each other. Lord, we pray for the marriages, pray for the brothers and sisters who are dear to us. And in their marriages, we ask you to bless them and crown them with happiness and joy. Thank you for this season we're coming into. May this be a season of great joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.